Man, we just trust you, and just, uh, why don't we just, let's just pray for Jeremy, and just extend your hand, and I just, let's pray for Central, and just uh, the leadership that he carries, and God, we just, uh, we thank you for Jeremy and Crystal, we thank you for um, the, the weight of the leadership that they carry for this city. God, I thank you for Central Baptist, I thank you for its heart, and its heritage in this city, and its incredible history, and pioneering in this city. And so, God, we just, we bless Jeremy as he leads. God, we bless him as he leads his family, as he, as he impacts his neighborhood, and he impacts God through ministry. And God, we just, uh, we thank you. We thank you for his friendship. We thank you for what you've put on his heart for tonight. And we just, we receive it tonight, what you want to do in, in our hearts tonight through Jeremy. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. That's where you're like, good evening, Jeremy. Um, I am super honored to be here, too. Uh, yeah, been such a privilege. I can't believe it's been nine years of resurgence, but it's probably because I haven't gone to very many, so I'm, I feel bad, but it's Saturday. I got kids. It's hard. But uh, yeah, Chatted with Travis, I think, pretty well near the beginning. I, it doesn't matter. We're not telling our story here. Uh, that's afterwards. But um, yeah, just a huge honor to be here. And uh, even just being here uh, feels like uh, I'm, the one, I'm the one receiving and I'm the one learning. And it's a, it's a real privilege to be with you. Um, and I'm grateful too. My, uh, my wife is here, who Travis already embarrassed, but she's over in that area. Crystal, she's awesome. I have four little kids who are usually awesome. Nolan, Mava, Ruby, and Jack, grade six, five, three, one. I work at Central, which is a hundred and seventeen-year-old church, but I've only been there uh, for seventeen of those hundred and seventeen. But it was in Edmonton when Edmonton was about two thousand people, so it's got quite a history here. And um, and yeah, I I didn't kind of grow up trying to be a preacher, but I've kind of stumbled into what I'm doing and, um, and love, uh, love opening the Bible and just talking about the Bible and, and letting it speak. So it'll be a little bit of a teach tonight. I hope that's okay. But um, and I'm not really like a conference speaker. Like I speak to my church, to my family. They know me. If there's any part tonight where you're like, is he being mean? I'm not, I, you, you just didn't get the joke because it wasn't a good joke. So it's me. It's not you. Or if you're like, what? If you're ever like, huh? It's just like, I don't know. Find someone who goes to Central and ask him what it meant. Um, but <laughs> so um, anyway, but it's, it's a massive joy to be here. I also didn't bring my phone, and I have a lot to say. So somebody, I'm being really serious. Like somebody kind of be like, you know, when I need to stop. But I'll try to, you know, be engaging. Um, how many of you know that there's no competition in the kingdom? <laughs> How many of you know that we're together? We're together with followers of Jesus. I love, I love what resurgence is and honor what resurgence is um, because it is championing and living that value, you know, that we often find these things to divide us as different kinds of Christians. And even within the same kind of Christian, we still can find things to divide us, can't we? And so often that's, that's because we're, we're competing. And you know, competition doesn't make any sense when there are unlimited resources. So it, it sort of makes sense, like if I have a family and you have a family and there's like one steak, you know, let's fight over the steak because I want my kids to eat, you want your kids to eat. But but when there's unlimited resources, which we have in Christ, competition just doesn't make any sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a passage tonight that says at the end of it, all things are yours in Christ. All things are yours. And, and Paul, who's writing it, you know, it's not, it, it's not like one of those things that we say and we put on like a Christian plaque to feel good about ourselves. He, he means it. He says, all things are yours whether a bunch of awesome Christians he names, or, or he goes on, or the world, that's, that's a thing that's yours, or life, or death, or the present or future, all are yours. And so I'm going to say that probably a lot tonight, just to say that there's no competition. And, 
And, and I'd love if we could just be in that place together. So often rooms like this can be evaluating rooms. Where we're probably, I mean, often we're, we're evaluating the guy with the mic. I do that. Uh, we're evaluating the people we see sitting around. We're kind of going, how's my worship style looking compared to everybody else's? Did I wear the right shirt? Um, there's no competition in this place. So um, as I was praying, I, I want to just say too, and I'm, I'm going to read the Bible and then start talking about it pretty soon here. But I want to just say too, as I, as I prayed about tonight, one of the difficult things about coming to a, a place like this is I, I don't know you. And there's a design in like how scripture is, is kind of taught on that it, it typically is within relationship, right? So I know a lot of you. Um, but it's to some degree easier to pray and talk to Jesus about my church and be like, Jesus, what do you have for my church? Because these are people I know. These are people I love. I, I, I love you. I just don't know as many of you. <laughs> that, that was one of those. It's, I do. I love you. Um, but I really, this is what I felt. I, as I was praying about it, I just felt like Jesus said, I want you to talk about dignity and that in Christ you have dignity. And I want you to talk about 2 Corinthians 3. And then I read 2 Corinthians 3, and, uh, and then Jesus had to teach me how that talked about dignity. But dignity is the state or quality of being worthy of honor or respect. It's not about how we feel about ourselves. It's about who we are. People who have dignity may not realize it. <laughs> they may not act like it. But there's a call to live in the dignity that we have in Christ. And I want to say to you, when we get into places of competition, we steal the dignity from each other that Christ has for his kids. So this is, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 3, and it's it's I just going to it's going to talk about like division. It's going to talk to you about people liking different leaders and fighting. And I'm not I, I don't know of any maybe that I don't think any of that's going on around here. So I'm not saying anything. I just feel like this is the passage God led us to, and it has really really amazing things to say. So read with me. I'm going to read the whole chapter because I work at a Baptist church. So here we go, starting in verse one. Brothers and si reading now, verse one. Brothers and sisters. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul... And another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. This is Paul writing. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose... And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames." Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, 
The Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So much in there. We're not going to talk about it all, but we'll talk about some of it. So much in there. But this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. This isn't my secret thoughts about you. I just want to say that. But this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He had spent a year and a half in Corinth, led all kinds of people to Jesus. Then he's writing back to them three years later. And he's saying there's still so much God wants to do. He, he's speaking to them of the truth that they together are the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. He's speaking to them that sort of a response in this life, this is where it lands a little bit, of, well, I'm only human. I mean, do you ever say that after you make a mistake or do something stupid? Well, I'm only human. It's true. We're only human. But if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've entrusted your life to him, his spirit has come. His spirit lives in you. You are no longer only human. (laughs) You are human with the divinity living inside of you and in a special way. The Holy Spirit lives in us when we are together. It's not a competition. The battle's finished. Jesus won. We are together as sons and daughters of the living God. And we have dignity. We don't often feel like we have dignity, like we are worthy of honor and respect. We often don't treat each other like we have dignity. But we together have the spirit of the living God living in us, among us. So live in the dignity that you are. Paul's calling the church in Corinth to grow up. (laughs) And I think that's always God's call on our lives. In this room, there are some very mature followers of Jesus. And I would imagine there's some very new followers of Jesus... And you might even be someone who's not sure if you are a follower of Jesus or you know you're not a follower of Jesus. God's calling all of us is the same. Keep growing. Grow up is a little condescending when you say it that way. But it is the call. Mature. Continue to mature. You'll know you're done when you see Jesus face to face and you have become exactly like him. Have you seen that? Are you there? Not if you're alive, you know. There's still room to grow And so Paul's writing with a little bit of a disappointment in his heart that though the church in Corinth has the Holy Spirit, they're not living in the Spirit. And we need to be careful with this because it is different. (laughs) The Holy Spirit has been given to the church in Corinth. I mean, if you've read the book of Corinthians, you know. These were people who really came to Jesus out of pagan idolatry. These were people who God gifted in such extraordinary ways that Paul had to write back and be like, tone down the giftedness. I mean, have you ever heard a a pastor, a spiritual father say like, too much giftedness? Tone it down a notch, you know? These were gifted people. These were Holy Spirit on fire people. And what does Paul say? He says, I can't address you as people who live by the Spirit. He wasn't saying, you're not Christians. He wasn't saying that. And if you've trusted your life to Christ, (laughs) we need to get past the question of, am I in or am I out? Of course you're in. It's a faith thing. Welcome to the family. Now, are you going to live out of who you were, or are you going to live out of who he's making you to be? You can have the Spirit and not be living in the Spirit. And there's like a thousand things in this passage that give us a picture of how God is calling us to live in the Spirit. But I'm only going to bother you with four of them tonight. Four words I'd use. Living in the Spirit takes us to a place of holiness. Takes us to a place of being together for real with other believers. It takes us to a place of focus in our lives. And it takes us to living lives of generosity. Holiness, togetherness, focus, and generosity. I like to tell you how many 
I'm going to talk about because then you can sort of tell, oh, geez, he's at least 75% done at this point. The difference between someone who has the Spirit and someone who lives by the Spirit is that the person who lives by the Spirit, the Spirit is actually in charge. We call Jesus our Savior and Lord. Uh, there's this one pastor I really respect who always says, it's, it's kind of a nerdy word, but he always, he always uses the word functional Lord. He's like, it's nice you call Jesus your Lord, but is he your functional Lord? Meaning, does he get to tell you what to do? Is he the boss man in your life? Living in the Spirit means we allow Jesus to take charge of our real lives. Not just here. <laughs> we're all in the mood, right? We were, we were blessed by this, this band who just came and ministered to us and opened the door. Like, like lights on the runway at night to step into the presence of God. Beautiful. Wonderful. We're there. But what about our real lives? <laughs> How are we going to live tonight? Tomorrow will probably be good because a lot of you are going to go to church. But then what about like tomorrow afternoon? Tomorrow night, Monday. What about, what about when you see your co-workers? What about when you see the, the friends you go to school with? The Corinthians have received the Spirit. They've exercised His gifts. They've grown in wisdom and knowledge. But now they're using what they've learned and experienced in destructive rather than constructive ways. They're competing. Life in the Spirit means we allow Jesus to take charge of our real lives. And, and this means Holiness. This means being set apart for his purposes. I always talk with my church, maybe they're bored, uh, about how my mom had these special forks and knives and spoons in the other room and like underneath this green velvet cloth and we'd only pull it out with the good plates. This is a picture of holiness, that we are those things. Set apart, not for the common every day in this world, but for God's purposes. And this is a call to character. Sometimes we can think like super spiritual people. I mean, what do you think of when you think of a super spiritual people, person? Let, let me read to you what super spiritual people, people whose lives are controlled by the Holy Spirit, are actually like. They're people who love. <laughs> I mean, this is the list. Galatians 5. This is, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit is actually leading our lives. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul has also laid out, that's from Galatians 5, a list of the sins. I don't read them all, but he says, right next, he says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. thinking about this and you know you know when you don't have the holy spirit living in you the scripture teaches us that that we're a slave for in that place where the holy spirit isn't in us we are a slave we're a slave to sin we're a slave to the wrong decisions you can say if the holy spirit's not living in you i'm only human you are <laughs> and humans fail humans make mistakes but when the holy spirit is living in you What's the difference between when somebody with the Holy Spirit living in them makes the right choice, the choice of character, the choice of holiness, and when someone with the Spirit living in them makes the wrong choice, what's the difference? The difference is in the word I use. The difference is in choice. If the Holy Spirit's living in you, you have the strength, you have the power, you have the opportunity you are capable now. This is the new covenant, not just a law written on the wall that we try our hardest to do, but the Holy Spirit who actually inspires and empowers and makes us want the right things and be able to do them. We, we have this in our hearts. Signs that we're not living by the Spirit. Number one in here, he calls them worldly. We live like the world. <laughs> we can self-assess on this. I'm not judging you. Don't judge the person next to you, but what about you? Are you set apart for the purposes of Christ? That's called holiness. Or do you live like everybody else around you? Jealousy and quarreling. <laughs> Jealousy? Do you feel that? Yes, I do. That's a sign the Spirit hasn't taken full control. Quarreling and taking pride in human leaders rather than following Jesus. These things injure the church. They injure the body of Christ they injure the bride.
one of my beautiful, wonderful, precious daughters tonight slammed her thumb in a folding door while she was angry. I'm just throwing that in to say it's not my fault. She was angry. <laughs> and for like, what, an hour? An hour and a half? All she could think about was her little thumb. And, I, you know, I, we were kind of thinking about that. Where I'm like, I'm talking about the body tonight. Are we supposed to get something here? And it's such a good picture of how, you know, we step out, we lash out, we go against other people, and then it injures the body, and then we just live in the mess. <laughs> we live in the pain. We see that person again, right? Next week, and we got to deal with it. Paul says, those with the Spirit but not controlled by the Spirit are like adults eating baby food. Can you listen with me? And it'll make some of you uncomfortable if, if you're not married, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's in the message. I'm going to read you the message paraphrase of these four verses. And what, I mean, it's, it's kind of the Bible. It's not quite the Bible, but I'm just going to read it anyway. <laughs> I'm completely frustrated, this is the paraphrase, by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you, <laughs> since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything's going your way? When one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, another says, I'm on Apollos, aren't you being totally infantile? God's calling us to holiness, and it's because he loves us, because holiness is the life of blessing, the life of shalom, the life of bubbling up brooks of wonderful happiness and goodness in our lives. That's the life, the abundant life Christ calls us to is accessed through lives of holiness, which his spirit gives us the power to do. Yet so often we live as people who are just like babes at the breast, just taking whatever we want in that moment rather than actually living for eternity. Uh, Crystal had this picture of, uh, when, when we were talking about something different that applies to this, about how often our, in our lives the spirit is a trickle rather than a, a gushing flowing river, right? Christ said, if you believe in me, the Spirit will draw you. Streams of living water will flow from you. Is that, is that our lives? And she got this picture of, of a dam on the river. And the dam is just filling up at the top with all this trash. And I don't need to identify the trash for your life. You don't need to identify it for mine. But you know what the trash is in your life. It's the trash of our culture. It's the trash of our sinful desires. It's the trash of wasted opportunities. It's not just the trash of sin. It's also the trash of... Hebrews 12 style, hindrances. Not wrong stuff, just stuff that gets in the way of the flow and, and, it, and it just squeezes off that flow over time. God wants to come in and break that down. And brokenness hurts, you know? Brokenness is hard. When there's something we've built up like that, those walls don't always come down easy. But there is so much life. You get that river flowing <laughs> There are trees, there are fish, there are fishermen, there, there is life. God's calling us to holiness. Do you have the Spirit? Are you living by the Spirit? Where do you need to open up the dam? And I could probably preach on this for 40 more minutes, but you're like, he's still on point one. So the, I just want to say, he gives us a practice. The Lord gives us a practice. Do you have a dam that needs to be broken? He gives us a practice to help us repent, and it's called confession. What is confession? It's saying to God, this is where I need to be healed. <laughs> this is where I need to be restored. This is where I need to be freed from it. Saying to God and saying it to another living, breathing follower of Jesus. I just want to challenge you in that. And you know what? Sometimes you're like, well, I did confess it and nothing changed. You know, it's like I confessed it five years ago. I'm still struggling with this. Like, but you know, the, the picture in scripture is that you confess it and then you're walking in freedom and victory and forgiveness. And if like two hours later you fall into the same thing, guess what it's time for? Confessing again. I know so many people who have found victory from sin and stepped into a life of holiness because they have become relentless with confession. Don't stand up on the stage and tell everything to everybody, but who in your life can you be honest with? Holiness is a picture of those who are living in the Spirit. Second, community, togetherness. Living by the Spirit means we humbly love and serve together 
with other believers. I love what resurgence is, and I honor what resurgence is. I love when I've been able to be a part of things that are, that are citywide focused on Jesus. Back in the day at Central, there was like this 30-year rock show called Glimpse of Glory, and it was so good because it was just like, it was just like nothing but people from a, a bunch of churches coming and just worshiping for a few hours, and it got done when it got done every night. You know, it was that sort of a place. And uh, beautiful, beautiful. So good. I honor what Resurgence is up to because those are the places where the church comes together in such important ways. I got this picture of Resurgence that, that uh, it's like this fire. And there is a very real fire being, being kindled and stoked in this place for the Lord. And it's like these sparks are going out. And sparks carry a lot of potential if they get into the right place, you know. And, and all of us, I mean, it'd be interesting, and we won't do it because it would take too long, but um, it'd be interesting to see, like, how many churches are we going to tomorrow, you know. And we can be like, we can be like oh, man, my church is so dry. And God's like, good. <laughs> dry stuff works really good for sparks, you know. <laughs> get in there. Light it up a little. Heat it up. Bring it back, you know. And it's not about, like, we're trying to, I mean, I don't know. I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, Travis, about what we're doing. I think I'm right. But it's not like we're, we're trying to build something here that's so much better than what you're going to do tomorrow morning. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. We're, we're trying to create a fire so that the sparks go, and there's a whole lot more fires going. And I just want to say to you, I mean, that on point two, but I'm jumping back to, to point one. It starts with holiness. It, star, it starts with holiness. If you want to start a revival, a famous preacher used to say, get a, get a little stick of chalk, draw a circle around your feet, and pray until revival breaks out in that circle, and then you will have revival on your hand. And this is true. Yeah, you can clap for that. I don't mind that at all. We don't clap in our church, but I like that. <laughs> so I got a few more in on that. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. <laughs> The cure to divisiveness in the church, the cure to a divided church, is focusing our eyes on Jesus together and on his cross. <laughs> Jesus wasn't competing. He already had it all. He was rich. So he gave it up because he knew he'd get it back. He gave it up to share it with us. We focus on Jesus. And you know what happens when we focus with Jesus or, or on Jesus is, is we realize how utterly humble we all should be compared to him. <laughs> we, we, we realize how ridiculously level the ground is. That there is equality. There is equality. Sometimes we look at different Christian uh, friends. Sometimes we look at different Christian leaders, different churches, different movements going on around the world, and we judge them as to, you know, whoa, they've really got it going on, or man, I'm glad I'm not part of that thing. Um, but, you know, one of the commentators I read said it's, it's, sort, of like, it's sort of like looking at the, the, the earth. That, like, if you're right on it, it's like, yeah, there's, there's parts of it that seem to be really high or really low. But, man, zoom out, and that thing's a, a pretty level playing field all the way around. And so it's like, yeah, when you're right up in each other's face, we can compare and all these things. But from God's perspective, there's equality. He calls us to see each other as equal. To, see, to, to be humble in that place. To, to see that God doesn't live in me more than he lives in you. He doesn't live in her more than he lives in him. In fact, specifically the scripture says he lives in us together. Every single time that the Bible talks about us being uh, the temple of God, except for one, he said, the, the writers say y'all. Now we only have like one word in English. There's you and you. And this you means one person, this you means like everyone, you know. But he's saying y'all, but they couldn't get that in the Bible because, you know, I don't know. Um, y'all, everywhere except for one. The only place he doesn't say y'all is when he's saying, when he's talking about sexual purity. He's like, be pure sexually in a different place. Because he's like, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's there with you and you're making that decision inside your body. And sexual sin is against your own body. Don't sin in that way. But everywhere else he says it's y'all. It's together. It's not me against you. There's no competition. The work is finished. The, the battle is won. We are equal. And being equal should make us humble. So he talks about the work that we're doing together. And I don't want to dig deep into that. There's so much good stuff in there. But at the core of it all, ministry is service. <laughs> it's serving. 
It's serving in the name of Jesus together. And he compares it to farmers in the field, and he compares it to building a house. I, I was thinking if I would have been organized to get like this, uh, this picture, so just imagine it with me, like a visual aid I'm doing right now, um, of like a huge rice field, and you know everybody's wearing those hats. And like this one arrow that says like, Travis, you know, and he's like bent over, and he's like, you know, picking rice. I've never picked rice. And there's another one that's like, that's Jeremy. And there's another one, and it's like, that's your pastor. And there's another one, it's like, that's you. That's you. That's, that's us. We're working together in the field. And, and who gets credit that the rice grew? <laughs> well, it's good we were working the field, but God gets the credit, Paul says. Or he says, it's like a bunch of construction workers. It's like, well, I put in the two-by-fours. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you. We needed someone to do that. I did the drywall. Wow. That's great. This is where we are when we build together. What if we lived this way? Like, I mean, just think, I don't know all your perspectives on Christianity. I just know what I think and what I've heard through the years of all the different churches, all the different ideas, and oh, I'm really excited about this person right now, and I'm really excited about that person. God says it's when you're together. It's when you're together. And, and we have this really sad thing going on in Christian culture in North America and Europe these days, that more and more people really love Jesus, or they'll say, I really love Jesus, but I don't really like the church. I mean, I've been, I, just this week, I was in a couple conversations where this, was, where this was the story. I love Jesus. I just struggle with the church, you know? So I'm just going to throw at you, I don't think it works that way. I, I think if you love the Father, you want to be with the family. I think if you go to Jesus and you say, you're awesome. Your bride, though, Jesus. Have you tried that with one of your buddies? Dude, you're sweet. But your wife, like, ugh. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. You're not going to be my friend anymore. And yet we don't think very deeply about this when we're throwing out kind of the culturally savvy, I love Jesus, it's just Christians I can't stand. Man, there is this love for Christians that goes so much deeper than how annoying they are, right? <laughs> when you love Jesus. We are annoying. I'm annoying to people, you're annoying to people. We're annoying to the, to the news and to the culture in different ways. And I'm annoyed at Christians. I mean, but there's this love that's so much deeper. We're brothers. We're sitting. My brother's annoying sometimes too. But we love each other so deeply. We work together. The gospel of Jesus is the hope of the world. It's good news to the suffering and the poor and those who need freedom. So Paul says, woe to those who divide or tear down the church. This is huge. Those who live in the Spirit live in holiness and they live in community. I wonder if there's ways in which our faith or our views we hold competitively. I mean, only you and Jesus can talk about that. I don't know what's going on in your heart, but I wonder if that'd be just something you'd surrender to him. And even, I mean, you'd say to him even now, God, I don't want to be that way. <laughs> I want to be together with believers. I want to work together. I wonder if there's ways in which this lie, which really what it, what it is of I love Jesus but not his bride. I wonder if there's ways maybe we just need to repent of that and move towards I love Jesus and I love his bride. I love them both. I love the picture of the marriage that's happening. People who live in the spirit, live in holiness and in community. Third, they live with focus. They live with focus, and, and there's a specific thing here. You might get bored with this because uh, there's a lot of it in this passage, but it's the one I felt I was supposed to talk about. Living in the Spirit means we are not overly caught up with good or bad Christian leaders. Let me ask you a question. Are there good Christian leaders out there? Are there bad Christian leaders? You've got to be careful because I just said don't divide or tear down. Of course there are. There's terrible, heretical, ridiculously bad Christian leaders out there. Absolutely. But there's this call in this passage that it's all founded on Jesus. Now, some stuff isn't founded on Jesus, and that's a whole other thing. 
But stuff that's founded on Jesus, people whose lives and ministries are founded on Jesus, don't get too caught up on it. And specifically, he's pointing out to us that we can get infatuated with particular leaders. He kind of makes a comment. He says, you know, if, if uh, you're really struggling with a leader, if there's a leader that's being really rough on the church, he, he says in verse 17, just let God deal with that. God will deal with that. But the, the thing that messes up the church a little bit more is when we get a little too high on human leaders, when we get a little too followy, when we get a little too infatuated, we get a little too, I like Paul, I like Apollos, this kind of stuff. Can I read you something? Can somebody t- I don't know how long I'm supposed to be talking for, but just honestly, just wave your arms. I, I'm over half done, okay. Can I just read this to you? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. This is chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. And I love this, verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Don't get overly infatuated with Christian leaders. You know what? There are, there are Christian leaders all over the world that inspire me and that I learn from. I mean, most of my sermons are actually just piecing together what other people have said and not giving them credit. That's, <laughs> that's how good preachers preach. <laughs> But being too infatuated or too towards particular leaders can really mess up the church. And often we love leaders for particularly good reasons. The reasons they love Paul and Apollos probably is because Paul and Apollos had led them to Christ. So Paul led this group of people to Christ and Apollos led this people, this group of people to Christ. That's awesome. That's fruitful. But Paul says, I wasn't leading you to me. <laughs> I was leading you to Jesus. And I have this picture uh, when, I, when I was thinking on this point that I think is a, a powerful picture. Uh, you know, Jesus is called the bright and morning star. And one of the, one of the gifts of the stars that we don't really appreciate because we have GPS is, uh, is their consistency. Their consistency. My, my father-in-law took a course. He's a skipper and he knows how to sail by the stars with, with, with nothing but a little, you know, moving piece of metal. He can get in a boat and he can sail at home. Absolutely amazing. Now, in comparison to stars, winds shift all the time. And, and, it, and it's an incredible, um, as, as you think about a good, I, I honestly should have researched this, because I still to this day have no idea how this works, but a good skipper can sail a boat towards the direction where the wind is coming exactly against. He, he can set his sights on the North Star. You might have to zigzag a little bit, but he can set his sights on a star. And he can head for that star. The winds might be going this way for a little, this way for a little, that way for a little, that way for a little. And in Ephesians 4, Paul writes that when we grow up, which basically is when we become people of character, when we speak the truth in love, when we grow up, then we will not be held captive to all these different winds of teaching. And, you know, some teachers are very windy. If you haven't noticed, you sit in the front, no one's in, you're in the front row, sorry about that. But some are very windy, but there's this, there's this picture that we live in this culture where there's all these voices going in a million different directions, and there's wind blowing this way one moment, and wind blowing this way. And even in the church, you look around the church in Edmonton, you look around your church, you know, that pew to that pew to that chair to that chair, you look around the church in North America, around the world, there's all these winds blowing in different directions. And yet in the middle of this, there is a North Star. <laughs> And a good skipper is able to grow up, to mature, to be able to, to head their boat. And if you're a leader, maybe with a lot of people in it, all of us lead in different ways, towards that North Star, no matter what is happening with the winds. This is, this is the picture. That we would be people, whatever context we find ourselves in, where Jesus is our direction. Where he is where we are going, whatever is going on around us. So he concludes, verse 21. So then, he's saying, we're all agreed now. No more boasting about human leaders. Can we just make an agreement, just us, just friends in this room, that we're just not going to boast in human Christian leaders? Can we just say, we're not going to be like, you know who I really love these days? Don't say that. <laughs> say, you know what? This person helped me love Jesus so much more. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know, but I walked out from after uh, listening to that person lead worship, and I loved Jesus. 
Do you see how that's so much different than like, man, the, I was listening to this. I was talking. I wasn't listening to him. Well, I was listening because he was talking. But there was this pastor that was, that was describing like this worship thing he had been at. I, should, I, I don't know if I'm slandering him. I won't name him. But he's, uh, he's not in this room. And, and all he was talking about was the musical quality of the band and the volume. And I'm like, there's a lot of good bands who turn it up. There was one tonight. But tonight, I mean, honestly, it was great tonight. Thank you for leading, ladies and gentlemen. But I was drawn towards Christ. That's what worship is for. The band was kicking. Who cares? Was Jesus drawing his lost children towards him? Was the North Star evident? Was the door open? Was the landing strip out for our lives? So that no more boat, could we just agree? I mean, just for the rest of our lives, that's all I'm asking, that we just agree. And we're just not going to boast, oh man, man, pastor knocked it out of the park. I mean, the other side, I also like you not to bother and be mean to your pastors too, but that's a whole nother thing. Let's just not boast in them. It's not a competition. Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the senior pastor. <laughs> Look to him. He's the north star. He's the bright and morning star. Don't get stuck and excited in these wins. Look to him. Okay, I got to get to four. Holiness, togetherness, focus when we're living by the Spirit. And lastly, generosity. Living by the Spirit means that we live generous lives. And the most generous life we have on record in the history of the world is the, is the life of Jesus Christ. And it's exemplified in the cross. And he demonstrates in us, for us, in the cross, that the cross is not the end. That a life of generosity does not end with having lost everything. That's what we're afraid of, right? Well, if I let go, what do I have? Christ answers that question for us. He completely lets go. And what does he have to show for it at the end? Everything. And so he says to us, you... You who have decided not to hang on to your own lives in this world, but you who have decided to let go of your lives for Jesus and the gospel, what do you have? Nothing? No. All things are yours. The New Living Translation says literally, everything belongs to you. And what I want to ask you about is, how would you act? if you knew that everything would belong to you for all eternity? How would you act in your life if you knew that all is yours? The world, life, death, the present, and the future. Everything belongs to you. It's not a competition. We are co-heirs with Christ in what? In everything. What does God own? <laughs> everything. I don't, I don't know if... Uh, if you're excited about, you know, how much money your parents have and how you might get it one day. Personally, for me, it's not going to be that big of a windfall. <laughs> but in Christ, we have everything. All things are yours. They're ours. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. We're together in this. We have an all-access pass. We have all access to all spiritual blessings. So jealousy and quarreling is useless and inappropriate for humble, equal followers of Jesus. And so Jesus lays out the way of the cross, the way of humility, the way of generosity, the way of gentleness in everything. I believe if we knew and believed what we had in Jesus, we would gladly let go of what we can't keep to take hold of what we won't lose. <laughs> I'll say it again, because there were a lot of words. If we knew what we had in Jesus, we would gladly let go of what we can't keep to take hold of what we can't lose. Some of you are living this life, <laughs> the life of Christ, and you know some things. You know it's hard. It's hard in our culture. It's hard to let go. It's hard when there's people looking in on your life, probably even well-meaning other believers going, what are you doing? You know it's hard, but, but you also know. You've discovered it's worth it. <laughs> 
And I want to speak that to you. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He didn't endure the cross because he was crazy. He didn't endure the cross because he was looking for pain. He endured it because the joy of a life walked in obedience, even to the point of death, holds greater joy at the end than any other sort of life. You want to find your life? Jesus says, lose it. Tough words. But if we knew what we had that we couldn't lose, we would let go. So my prayer is just may we be those. And I would really pray that over this, this crew. None of this has been said because I don't see it in you. I don't know you well enough to judge you. And that's probably a good thing. I mean, those of you who I know, I'll judge you. But may it be this way in us, that we would not just be people who have the Spirit. You know what? If you have faith in Christ, you have the Spirit. Praise God. But we would be people who keep in step with the Spirit, who live by the Spirit, people of holiness, people who love the bride of Christ even when she's limping a little bit, people who are focused beyond the winds on Jesus Christ, the North Star, and people who live generous lives following in the way of Jesus. That's what I've got. You've been spectacular listeners. We're going to go into a time of, uh, of response. And I'm just going to lead into this time. Do you want to, if the band wants to come on up, I want to encourage you to, to respond. We're going to have, in just a moment, I'll call you up in a minute. Um, not quite yet. In just a minute, we're going to have people come up who would love to pray with you. And I just want to say, um, I love that uh, Travis and the team is praying for people to give their lives to Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If this is a night where God is tugging you towards his life and you know you are not living his life, would you respond? Would you come on up when there's people up here and would you, would you just tell them, I want to give my life to Jesus <laughs> and let them talk and walk you through that? And, and I want to encourage you to, um, maybe God is calling you into a new season of holiness or a new season of loving the bride of Christ or a new season of focus or a new season of generosity. If you just need a fresh touch or a fresh encouragement from God to, to kind of push you out the door in that direction, uh, in a little bit when the team comes up, I, I just would, I'd invite you to come on up. Um, but just in case you don't come up before we do that, we're just going to, uh, we're just going to like do one big praying for all of you at the same time. Is that exciting? But you still should come up. You still should come up. Maybe you've got some sin to unload. Let's do that. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. God is so good. He is so kind. He's not wanting to hold it over you. He's wanting to forgive. He's wanting to receive you into his family. He's wanting to give you the dignity that he shares with his sons and daughters. Come on up. Um, yeah? Okay. My wife, Crystal, is just going to pray over you. And then if all goes well... When she's done, you're going to stand up and just be comfortable in this place. The prayer team is going to come on up and uh, respond. You don't have to be in a hurry, but you shouldn't be too slow when God calls. Quick response is the mood of the kingdom. So why don't you stand actually right now? And then uh, when Crystal says amen, prayer team, come on up, and we would love to pray for you all individually. Hi. I just love that we get to be here with you guys, and I don't know, I was like one to raise my hand that I've never come to Resurgence, but it was awesome, and my husband spoke, and I, I don't think I'm biased, but anyways, I do, I feel like everything that God does is so unified, and like, I love that we can all come from different churches and different perspectives and different places and things that he's teaching us, and somehow he just draws it all in together. And even as we were worshiping before, I just felt like so many of the things that Travis spoke or Jeremy spoke or Kara spoke were things that he was laying on my heart as well. And I just had this picture of, I don't know, maybe it's because we were just reading Pippi Longstockings with our kids, but just 
this pippy long-stocking kind of look of like this being unprepared, like having one sock up and one sock down. And I was reading in Song of Solomon and it talks about when his love, her lover is knocking on the door and she doesn't feel prepared and so she doesn't open it and then when she does, he's gone. And I feel like sometimes we have this expectation of ourselves to have everything all together, to have ourselves completely put together, our socks pulled up, they're matching, our clothes are good, and then we can come to Christ and then we can see what he has for us. And I just feel like he has, he wants us to just come he wants to, us to come when we feel unprepared, to come when we don't feel put together. And he is going to bless us so much because what we have is so little and what he has is immeasurable storehouses full of his goodness and of his presence and of his closeness. And so my prayer for you guys and for me in all of this, that we would just be people to run after him, that we wouldn't just stop that we wouldn't try to make ourselves look good, that we wouldn't be distracted by the excessiveness in our culture, but that we would just set our eyes on him and we would say yes, right now, right the way we are, right even before we fix the sin in our life or we turn to him in ways that we think we should. I just pray that tonight would be a night where you guys say yes and that he would come in and just flood over you with his goodness and his calling and then one other thing I felt is that I feel like we all have names for ourselves and we hold these names and they have so many connotations to them. They have so much experience and sometimes dirtiness and I feel like God wants to give you a new name and that he sees you in ways that you don't see yourself but that he's made you to be and they are just as real as the things that you've experienced or the places that you've been and he wants to call you out of that that's how he sees you and this is like this precious name that no one's ever heard before and it's like so intimate because it's from him and it's to you and he's made you and so god I just pray that right now, God, that you would release your spirit over this place, Lord, that this would bring revival to Edmonton, that resurgence would resurge Edmonton, God, that it would bring your spirit, Lord, that you would, you would call up a people who are not afraid of looking messy, who are not afraid of looking not put together, but who step out in faith, God, and just who are radiant with your love. I thank you that you are a God that wants to call us your people, that you are relentless, that you chase us. And even when we turn you away, and even when we feel unworthy, that you come after us again and again and again, and you cry out to us to trust you. So I just pray that we would take that step tonight, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>